welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about the news and the issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce the crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. And uh, tonight we have attorney Ken Afianco. So thanks for being on the show, Ken. And we also have, I believe, all retired this evening, we have Captain Brett Bartlett, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, Corporal David D. Gresta, Officer Andrew Cassell, and Producer Will Statzer. So uh, thanks, guys, for uh, for being here. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. Uh, we've got Motion DSP, Gauls, Guardian Lines Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, Tactote, and also we are fueled by Bang Energy, Thanks to all those entities for helping make the show happen. Have a, a great lineup for you guys, um, as uh, as usual. And look, I didn't want to disappoint, so we're going to start off with the FBI article that appeared on LawOfficer.com. And you know, look, we keep unfortunately the, the bad the bad part about this news is that we keep having to talk about the FBI, but it's law enforcement. It's a major issue going on, and we just have to talk about the current news trends. FBI paid Twitter millions, had close relationship with execs and staff emails show. So uh, it starts off talking about the Daily Caller News Foundation. The FBI paid Twitter millions as a reimbursement for the time the company spent processing the FBI's request, according to internal documents published by author Michael Schellenberger. And uh, Monday, in the most recent installment of Twitter CEO Elon Musk ongoing Twitter files, it says that in an email with the subject line, run the business, we made money, an employee whose name was redacted reports to the, the to the then Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker that the FBI had paid Twitter nearly three and a half million dollars between October of 2019 and February of 2021. And this is what Schellenberger reported. Now, Baker, he's a former FBI agent. He, he was the agency's general counsel during Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Um, he approved the surveillance of former uh, Trump campaign aide Carter Page via improper use of the Steele dossier, according to a report by the Justice Department's Inspector General. So the FBI and Twitter, it says that they enjoyed a close relationship in the run-up to the 2020 election with the FBI promising, quote, no impediments to information sharing, unquote, uh, between the two groups in a September 16, 2020 meeting between the social media execs and the intelligence community staff. And in a previous installment of the Twitter files, journalist Matt, T uh, I guess, Tabby, uh, said that he had not found evidence that the FBI or the intelligence community was involved in Twitter's decision to suppress access to a New York Post story about the laptop that was owned by, you know, Hunter Biden. But these new documents from uh, Schellenberger indicated that the FBI was, in fact, involved in that. So a lot more light on this. I don't know if there's any surprises on this to anyone that's on the panel or not. Uh, but yes, again, we're talking about the FBI. What's your take, Captain Brett? I think it's priceless. I think it's it's just priceless that, that our tax money we use to pay Twitter and all these, these people to keep these accounts down and closed so we couldn't hear what we wanted to hear. But here's the problem. Nothing's ever going to come of it. Not, even when the Republicans own the Congress, are going to have hearings, nothing's going to come up. It's disappointing. Uh, the only thing we can do is get the Senate, the House and the presidency. And even then, the Republicans are letting me down big time. You know, I think 18 just uh, voted for this last gigantic uh, uh, funding bill. So uh, here's my prediction. Nothing's going to happen. Wow. Lieutenant, you feel differently? No, unfortunately, I wish I did feel differently, but I, I'm feeling a little disquieted about about how, how our system is collapsing before our very eyes. Um, th this reveals corruption, real, no 
no nonsense corruption at the top of the FBI um, and maybe even a little lower. And unless there are true hearings that will investigate this similar to the to the Christopher Commission um, and, uh, and other commissions that investigated deep seated institutional corruption in major police agencies, I'm afraid they're going to get away with it. And this this should frighten every American, regardless of what you have behind your name or D or an R independent, because this is this is really, really a very insidious problem. Now, Lieutenant, I have to ask you the question before David goes, what everybody's wondering now. You said the FBI are maybe a little lower. Can you define what is actually lower at this current point in time than the FBI? Well, what I meant was leadership. Um, I believe it's actually I actually think it's it's permeating down into not just the top level of leadership of the FBI, but I think it may be dribbling down into lower levels of leadership. And that's where we really have a problem where it become institutionalized. Yeah. Okay. The, the, uh, the mid the mid managers is what Randy's talking about. The, the guys that are, that, that are running um, field offices and things of that nature that, that get in this stink. Um, you know, Brett and Randy both touched on everything. I, I, the, the country that the, the politicians scream about uh, local law enforcement that, you know, we're the, we're, we're the, or they, we were the, the, the walking devils. And yet you see this stuff coming out of the FBI and it's, and it's crickets. It's just absolutely amazing. Saw a tack tote was in the house. They don't even build a bag big enough to carry all the garbage that comes out of the FBI these days. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, so I just want to clarify for our, our listeners and viewers that, you know, we're not, you know, we would rather not have to report on this. You know, it just, it just, it's not every week, but, you know, every other week or every month, at least, you know, we're having to talk about something involving the FBI and it, it just, it just kills us to have to cover this because it's just a, a, an agency that was so highly respected at one time. So, um, Lieutenant Randy. Just one other thing. I, I'm glad you said that because on this show, if we don't tell the truth, even if the truth is hurtful to us, then we're then we are not giving our listeners and our viewers what they truly need. And that's the truth from our standpoint. And uh, and otherwise we would be we would be neglecting uh, we'd be neglecting our mission. No, you're right. It, it's it's not a comfortable thing to have to do. But but you're right. If we want to have credibility with our audience, this is something that's a necessity. So totally agree. And look for people. I know that some people are listening to our show. We're nationally syndicated on the radio and we're on pod, 20 podcast outlets. So um, you may not pick up on it. Uh, normally, I have a 32 uh, uh, inch monitor over my shoulder that kind of has the timeline and stuff. But I'm uh, I'm <laughs> I have no no Internet um, where I'm at. I know I know I'm using AT&T FirstNet. I'm giving them a, a free plug on the show. So I'm using AT&T FirstNet for first responders. And uh, I've got unlimited Internet on this cell phone thing. And uh, because it's first net, you know, first responders get priority service on this thing. So uh, when it goes out for the rest of the world, Captain Brett, uh, we we still have the connection. So, so far, so good. You, you would never uh, even I, know. I thought it was dial up you were using. I thought I quit, quit using that when you threw away your, your Commodore. All right, well, you have, a, so you have a word with them, Chip. You have words with them and you deal with this. 
Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, producer uh, Will is going to be working a little overtime, making sure that we make the uh, the cuts for the uh, for the hard breaks and stuff. So, um, uh, but we got a uh, we got. Well, let's see. We got uh, about three minutes left, I think, before our first commercial break. This one was sent to me uh, by our Captain Brett Bartlett here, and uh, it's on DailyWire.com. And horrifying video shows moment cop shot and killed homeowner protecting his house from suspected intruder, and it says it wasn't me. Yeah. You want this? Are you sure? Oh my God, you're stupid. Shots taking suspect hey. down. So, so we got surveillance video and police body cam footage um, showing this. And look for again for our radio and podcast listeners, I'll describe in great detail what's going on so you guys don't miss anything. So, these two sources are showing the moments before and after Austin police shoot and kill 33 year old tech entrepreneur Rayhan Moonsai. And so, this happens November the 15th. Austin cops receive a call shortly after midnight about a guy in a robe pointing a rifle down the street in a wealthy neighborhood. So the caller is a private security guard for a neighbor, um, told dispatcher the man with a rifle appeared to be afraid of something in his own home, and he began turning the outside lights on and off, according to a press release from the agent's APD, the agency. So Moonsai himself told a neighbor that someone was in his house and that he was going to call 911, according to the Wall Street Journal. So the caller then says that the man with the rifle was pointing it inside his own home and started firing. While the caller was still on the line, police arrive at the home. Two officers in separate marked vehicles, they arrive at the scene. They take cover while this homeowner is firing the rifle. One officer, identified as police officer Daniel uh, Sanchez, he shouts at our homeowner uh, to drop the gun but began firing his firearm before finishing his sentence, according to the footage. And this is clearly, you know, you can clearly see this in the footage. So as our homeowners laying on the ground dying, second officer gets there, and they give him command, show your hands. Third officer arrives, and they do life-saving measures. And, and the guy says, it wasn't me, multiple times. 
and he ends up being taken to the hospital, dies from his injuries. Officers check his home, and they did not find any intruders. But I'm telling you, on like the surveillance cam, you see him saying, you know, he's got the uh, the rifle in his hand. He goes, hey, you want this? You, you want? You sure you want this? You know, and then he unloads on whoever he was seeing, you know. So that's that's what we have. Um, thanks for sending me the video, Captain Brett. I know we probably don't have much. Uh, we probably have a minute or two, but um, comments, Captain? Uh, if yep. you're going to shoot, don't step out of your front yard and shoot inside, shoot at your house while, don't shoot at your house outside while the cops are on the way because they don't know what they're seeing when they get there. Secondly, and lastly, I don't know why it is that they always want to say they fired with their department-approved firearm. What the heck has that got to do with anything? They fired their gun, whatever, their department-approved sidearm. What? Well, David so could probably explain that to you. It's not a sidearm. That might be a problem. David, David could explain that, I think, but he may not. How much time do we have left? I'm sorry. The problem here, too, is when you looked at the guy, not that the cops would know this, but I think he was having some sort of uh, some sort of hallucinations. I mean, honestly, walking around outside his house, yelling at the house and then shooting at it. They didn't find anybody. Nobody saw anybody else other than him. That that got kind of weird there at the end. All right. Thanks, Corporal. Look, time for another commercial break, but we'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and only company that offer a step-by-step -step program where they take you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like Captain Brett Bartlett here. They provide citations from better law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can also get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Well, welcome back to Leo Roundtable Show. And guys, we're on our last 10-minute stint for the end of the first half of the show. So whatever topic we're talking about at the end of this segment, we'll start off with a fresh one after the break. Um, Corporal David, did you have any, any more words for us or... Are you good? All right, uh, Attorney Ken. Yeah, I can tell you after watching this video multiple times, I got I got several questions and I think it would take too long to get them answered. But nonetheless, I would like to know what the dispatch communication with the officers were. I mean, to me, that's a very critical point because they're the first contact with any information that might be an issue. And, and in this particular situation, I think when the officers approach, the guy comes out into the driveway, never points as they are at the officers, but yet the officer dropped or commanded him to put his gun down and then immediately shot him. And, and like you pointed out, he did so without even finishing his sentence. I think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked here. This was a very disturbing video. And, and that leads us one to believe that we need to have better communication between dispatch and the officers responding. I don't know if a better call would have been if they were to take cover and concealment and try to get more information or try to talk to the guy. But at the point that I saw the video, he was not pointing the rifle. And I understand it only takes a millisecond to do so. But nonetheless, I think communication could have been a little bit better at that point. All right. Thanks, Lieutenant Randy. I couldn't tell uh, from the distance from the body cam 
um, what the perception was that that officer had. You know, he did give the command and why he chose that moment to actually open fire. Um, I couldn't, I, it was not clear to me whether he saw something that indicated that the threat had accelerated. But the fact of the matter is, the guy doesn't have to point the gun at you to shoot him. He's a, he's a threat. He's got a gun in his hand. And uh, if you perceive that threat and you can, and you can articulate that, um, the guy doesn't have to point the gun at you. If we had to wait for people to point guns at us to shoot them, uh, we'd have a lot more dead cops. You know what? Now, now I'm going to push back um, with Ken uh, and Randy. Now I have to get into the, the whole, when you talk about perception of a threat, um, here you have, ex- we'll say, sem- somewhat experienced police officers arriving on a scene with some sort of dispatch information about a burglar, a possible intruder or burglary in progress at a house at night. You see a guy exit, a, exit the home with a bathrobe on carrying a firearm. What is your interpretation of what is in front of you? Now, I get it that there's a threat from a firearm. But in our society today, police officers have to be able to make those split second judgment calls. And unfortunately, they have to make them accurately. Or as we see, they get prosecuted to the gills. Now, um, so when you take that into perspective and you have a modicum of cover, a vehicle, which is where the where the police officer was, um, it, it, you start to wonder, okay, and I'm not going to say this is what I would have done. This is how I would have been. When you look at the video and you take the evidence from that video at its face value, you have to start wondering about the perception. That's what it's starting to come down to. A guy in a robe, you, you have a call, burglary in progress in the middle of the night, intruder in a house, whatever. You see a guy in a bathrobe coming out. I don't think that's the burglar. I, I mean, I. that's when you start looking at this stuff. So, mm. You start getting edgy about some of that sort of thing. Go ahead, Andrea. You know, you know, I agree with David wholeheartedly. I also, you know, to Ken's point, the other thing is, is what was dispatch telling, you know, the caller? Who are they talking to? You know, all of that information. What were the police getting? You know, what did they tell the, the homeowner, you know, put the firearm down, which they will. You know, if you have a firearm by the time law enforcement arrives, you know, let us know. You know, put your firearms away. Do you have a firearm? Where's the firearm at? So I, I think that we need a lot more information on this. Um, you know, what, what were the transmissions? What was the, what was the phone, you know, dialogue? And, you know, to David's point, you know, actually one of the listeners said this guy seemed a little bit unstable. Is he unstable? You know, what are all the circumstances? Does he have, you know, if he's in a bathrobe, is he unstable? You know, maybe take a little bit extra time to, with, with the number of officers that, you know, that were on hand, you know, take a couple extra minutes and, you know, let's kind of decipher you know, what's going on here, but what transmissions did we have? What, what phone conversation was going on, on on the phone? I would like to have all of that information before I make a complete judgment, but it seemed like it was pretty kind of quick. Thanks. Go ahead, Randy. We got about six minutes. I got two more stories I want to squeeze in. Go ahead. Okay. I agree with all of that. We, I mean, we, we don't have all the information, but we do also know that part of that transmission was that he was pointing his gun elsewhere down the street. That's not somebody that's looking at an intruder. That's a threat. So uh, that's, that's of course, more of the information that we're trying to get. 
uh, in order to make a judgment calls here. Thanks to the panel for being here, making the show uh, a success and a possibility. Also, a shout out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, Gauls, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, uh, MyMedicare.Live, TAC-Tote.com, and also Bang Energy for fueling us. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, and also FLG Man for the support.